I'm Dale Denwald. And I'm Nuria Martinez-Keel. You're listening to The Source. Thanks for joining us as we discuss the Oklahomans' most impactful stories with the reporters who wrote them. This week, an Oklahoma family is at the cross-section of the McGirt Supreme Court ruling and the ongoing dispute between Native American tribes and Governor Kevin Stitt. We cover what one mother had to say about her son and the case against the man responsible for his death. Indigenous Affairs reporter Molly Young is with us this week. Molly, you wrote a story about a 12-year-old boy named Billy Lord from Wagner. A drunk driver struck and killed him in 2013. Could you tell us about Billy and the state's case against the driver who killed him? Yes. Hi. Thank you, Nuria. Um, so Billy, um, as you mentioned, was a, a young boy from Wagner, Oklahoma, which is in um, the eastern part of the state. He um, was extremely smart, loved school, loved reading, and he hoped to become either a judge or a chef. And he um, was very, very close with his siblings, including his older brother. Him and his older brother were riding their bikes one night in 2013 when a man named Richard Roth was driving an SUV that struck and killed Billy. Roth was convicted the next year of um, manslaughter as well as leaving the scene of a felony crash. Prosecutors showed that his blood alcohol level was nearly four times the legal limit. Now, the Supreme Court ruled in 2020 about seven years after that incident, that the Muskogee Reservation in Oklahoma was never disestablished. This ruling applies to criminal cases that take place on reservation land involving a Native American perpetrator or, in Billy's case, a Native American victim. What impact has the McGirt ruling had so far on these kinds of cases? So um, the impact of the McGirt ruling has really varied um, for each case, but As you mentioned, in this case, um, Billy was Cherokee and um, Roth was not. He was white, but his attorneys appealed his conviction um, actually long before the McGirt decision as well. But his appeal was pending when um, the McGirt decision came down. And so because his appeal had been pending, ultimately the Oklahoma Court of Appeals did rule that his case fell under the McGirt decision, meaning that the state did not have jurisdiction over Roth. Um, Only the federal government did. And that's actually a key piece of information because, and correct me if I'm wrong, Molly, but the Supreme Court ruled recently that the McGirt ruling is not retroactive. So the fact that his case was pending at the time of the McGurr ruling and not before, actually turns out to be a, a really critical juncture for him. Right. And so his appeal was was pending for some time. I spoke with Jack Thorpe, who is the district attorney in Wagoner County, as well as some of its neighboring counties. And he was one of the prosecutors in the original case as well. And he said he believes the appeal was pending because the Supreme Court was um, really um, weighing this this big decision about jurisdiction in Oklahoma. And so ultimately, after the decision came down, that's when um, Roth's appeal uh, started to move again. 
So the Supreme Court is considering a different case right now involving a non-native perpetrator and a native victim, similar to Billy Lord's case. Can you tell us anything about that Supreme Court case that they're weighing at the moment, how it could impact Richard Roth's conviction and any other cases that might be like this? Sure. So that case involved an allegation of child neglect against a um, child on the Cherokee reservation. And um, the, as you mentioned, the perpetrator in that case as well was not Native. Um, the Supreme Court had said that it will consider that case with the big question of concurrent jurisdiction. And that is where the state is arguing that it has jurisdiction alongside the federal government to try non-Native perpetrators in cases that involve Native American victims. And if the Supreme Court, I should say the Supreme Court is expected to hear arguments in the case in April. And so depending on how it rules, it could have impacts on Roth's case um, because his conviction was actually overturned last fall, but that was stayed pending a bigger um, ruling from the Supreme Court. And so it's likely that if the Supreme Court would find that Oklahoma does have concurrent jurisdiction, that Roth would remain in prison. However, if the Supreme Court rules otherwise, it's um, it looks like the overturning of Roth's conviction may stand. Now, Governor Kevin Stitt highlighted Billy's case as a reason that the McGirt ruling could lead to unfair outcomes. The case can't be tried in federal court. And Roth could go free from punishment without even so much as a traffic ticket on his record. That's not fair. And it's not equal protection under the law. Billy's mom was in the audience during the governor's speech. How did some tribal leaders react to this situation being included in Governor Stitt's state of the state? So, um, as you had mentioned earlier, um, the crime occurred on the Muskogee Reservation. And Muskogee Principal Chief David Hill was also in the audience for the State of the State speech. And after the speech, he also, um, he criticized Governor Stitt for talking about Billy's case because, and linking it to the McGirt ruling, because if his state conviction is overturned, the federal government could step in and decide that it wants to mount a case to pursue charges against Roth in federal court. Um, That would have some challenges, though, because the statute of limitations for most federal crimes beyond things like murder is five years, and that statute has passed. Cherokee Principal Chief Chuck Hoskin Jr. also weighed in and, and said that, you know, of course these crimes that Governor Stitt highlights are tragic, but really simplifying them um, to criticize McGurr is just unfair. And I believe one of the options available to federal prosecutors, sort of in spite of the statute of limitations, would be to argue that um, it's not that we declined to investigate or prosecute for this many years uh, because the state was already on it. Is 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 that uh, being talked about quite a bit? Is, is that a, a viable uh, option for the federal government, for the tribes going forward? So, Um, The district attorney who originally oversaw Ross' conviction thinks that could be a very viable option and the federal government could make that argument. But it's not clear whether um, in this specific case, if they would pursue a 
any charges and try to argue that um, before the court. One of the top attorneys for the federal government in that region has said that um, his office has tried to challenge statute of limitations in the past and has not been um, successful, specifically in cases um, stemming from the McGirt decision. Now, one of the most poignant things that I read in your article is that when the McGirt ruling first came down almost two years ago, Billy's mom was initially hopeful that it would help another family member, one of Billy's uncles. Can you tell us about that? Sure. So Billy's mom, Pamela, you know, that was really the first thing she said about McGirt was that, you know, for her, it really is a double-edged sword because she first learned about it when her brother called her and expressed um, excitement that his case and his um, sentence of life in prison may be reconsidered by a different court. Um, he was originally convicted in a state court, I believe, more than 20 years ago um, when he was in his young 20s and acted as his own attorney in a case that involved the death of his infant son. And his family has always believed in his innocence. And so this decision offered some hope that his case may be reheard um, by the federal government. And uh, you wrote that at the heart of Billy's case is his mother, Pamela. What does she think about everything going on with her son's case and all the attention that's being paid to it all of a sudden? Right. And, you know, I, I should have added that it. she had said that really she only learned um, last year the way in which Richard Roth's conviction may be affected by the McGirt ruling. She's had a really difficult time and not to speak to her, speak for her, I should say, but ultimately she just really wants to see um, justice for her son. And um, knowing that that's not a fully settled case right now is, is really difficult, she said. Is there a resolution that Pamela said that she does want? There's a lot of political discussion, there's a lot of legal discussion. And it seems like she's in the middle of it. What what does she want to see at the end of the day? Right. So what she told me was that she had always known that when Richard Roth was sentenced to prison for 20 years, that it was likely that he would not serve out that full term. But she had believed that he would serve about 85% of that, which um, amounts to 17 years. And he's he just finished his seventh year in prison. And so, you know, it's really those 10 extra years that um, she had been thinking that she would have to really, um, you know, prepare for his release. And I wanted to get a better understanding, Molly, of why he might be released so soon. You see other cases um, that are in the throes of McGirt. Uh, where where the federal government might be stepping in um, after a state case was thrown out because it involved an indigenous person. How soon and why might Richard Roth just be let go? I I, I understand the federal statute of limitations, but I I guess I'm confused how someone could leave prison so soon um, before his, his state sentence. 
Right. So um, the Oklahoma Criminal Court of Appeals did overturn his conviction in September. And so in the state's eyes, his conviction has been overturned. That decision was stayed pending the outcome of the Supreme Court um, weighing in on this issue of concurrent jurisdiction. And the state also appealed um, the specific decision in Ross' case to the Supreme Court. So Roth's case is also itself pending before the Supreme Court, but it's believed that when Supreme Court justices weigh in on concurrent jurisdiction, that that likely will be um, how they come down on Roth's case as well, since the facts in both cases are so similar. So it's tough to say what timeline that may be working on, but whenever that decision arrives, that may have, you know, a pretty um, quick effect on Ross state conviction. And so then it would just, you know, go over to um, the federal side and, and we would need to learn at that point whether federal prosecutors will um, attempt to bring charges in the case. And if not, then he, he likely could be released from prison at that time. Molly, thank you so much for taking us through this really unique and complicated case, um, but it also seems to strike to the heart of how one family could represent all these different uh, variations of this really key Supreme Court ruling. And to our listeners, thanks for joining us this week. This podcast is possible because of the Oklahoman subscribers. We encourage you to subscribe if you can. You can read these stories and more every day in the Oklahoman and at oklahoman.com. Check back next Friday for a new episode.